Welcome to the Fabulously Keto podcast aimed at improving health, vitality and quality of life. Eating real food in a ketogenic lifestyle. I'm Jackie Fletcher and I'm based in the UK. And I'm Louise Reynolds, an Aussie currently based in Bangkok, Thailand. Each week we will be bringing you guests who share their stories and discuss a range of topics which we hope will improve your health and well-being. Many of the guests, like us, came to Keto for Weight Loss and have stayed for their well-being, numerous health benefits and because they are living their best lives. We hope you will be inspired to incorporate these ideas into your own health journey so that you can feel better than you ever have before. Thinking about starting keto? Take a listen to episode number two, What is Keto and How to Start? Welcome to episode 138 of the Fabulously Keto podcast. Today I have with me Rich Smith. Rich was recommended to me by Geraint Hull of episode 116. Richard Smith was 33 when he learned he was type 2 diabetic with a body fat percentage of just under 60%. He suffered with other ailments that impacted his life. After a well-manned test with his doctor, he found out his blood glucose levels were through the roof. Blood pressure was high, kidneys were in bad shape and he had pattern B LDL cholesterol very high as well. Richard hated his life and something had to change. His friend Jonathan introduced him to keto. Within the first month, he lost two stone. By month four, he'd lost an amazing four stone. That's 56 pounds in 120 days. Over 12 months, his total loss of body fat was over 100 pounds. Richard is a nutritionist, professional athlete and British champion. He felt like he had a secret, a secret he needed to share with the world and help transform the health and lives of others. So he set up Keto Pro. Keto Pro provides the support and supplements that help people as they adopt the keto diet. They also make sure that people have access to affordable, high premium products that pack in a ton of health benefits. Today, Richard has thousands of customers who have transformed how they look and feel. Let's go and hear from Rich. Welcome, Rich, to the Fabulously Keto podcast. It's fabulous to have you with us today. Thank you, Jackie. Super excited to be on board. And I'm going to ask you where in the world you are, but your accent sort of gives it away (laughs) a little bit. Yeah, just just a little bit. I'm from South Wales, UK. Excellent. For, for so, my sins. <laughs> I'm sure it's beautiful there. Um, I am going to start by asking you to tell us a little bit about your story because you've had an amazing transformation. So let's share that with the listeners. No problem. So it all began in my mid to late 20s. Uh, I was type 2 diabetic, clinically obese. Um, I suffered with daily debilitating migraines that would make me blind, for which I was on three different medications for severe anxiety and depression. Um, the anxiety and depression was so severe that uh, it quite often restricted me from leaving my house. Um, 
just before we came on air, I described it as uh, living in a box, uh, jumping into my other box and driving to another box, uh, i.e. my works. And that's that's how I lived. That was my life. Um, I didn't want to be around other people. Um, even moving to my vehicle, to my car on the drive, which was about two feet away, quite often I would have to wait until there was nobody else in the street, uh, no neighbours. And many thought that it's because I was rude, but it's always because I never felt worthy of the company of others. And I think this is something many of us suffer from. Um and anyone that does suffer from it can can understand how debilitating that it can be. It takes over your life uh, to the extent that I would not go to a public place by myself. I never felt comfortable enough. So my life was governed by by these illnesses. Um, Very restricted by the sound of it. S- super restricted, which in your late, late, you know, mid to late 20s is not you know, the type of place that you want to be. Um, I always thought that I was trying to be active and eating healthy. But in my mid to late 20s, I could barely walk up the stairs without stopping uh, or being severely out of breath. And I put this down to a fact of life. I just thought that I was getting older in yeah. my mid-20s. Was that, was that weight or pain? Was it joint joints? Yes. Yeah, so I, I suffered with severe lower back pain, uh, joint pain in my knees. Um, the weight that I went to doesn't sound excessive to many, but my frame is incredibly small. So I went up to 17 stone. Uh, my body fat percentage was 65%. Now, this was through eating from the food pyramid, the eat well plate, foods that I was told were good for me. I was eating my whole grains. I was avoiding my saturated fats. I was eating my five a day. I had days or spells where, you know, I consumed junk food like many of us do, but I, I actively tried to to consume the foods that we were told were good for us and uh, the foods that we needed to, to consume to be fit and healthy. Uh, but these just seemed to make me worse. I tried uh, speaking to lots of professionals, nutritionists, dietitians, doctors, um, but all they wanted to do was to issue me medication instead of looking at the root cause. And I think this is the society that we're in today, isn't it? it um, everything is medication-based. Yeah. Um, but it was a life that was heavily restricted um, and one that I was not very happy in. Uh, I did uh, around 14 stone, possibly just under, I did a parachute jump for, for charity. And I didn't realize how much weight that I was actually carrying until I had the pictures back from this parachute jump. Uh, my sister and I, we did it together. Uh, it was a tandem jump. So my sister was with a different instructor. And the instructors come in and this instructor with my sister was was a large gentleman. Um, and then uh, they explained about the weight distribution. And because my sister was so small that uh, they needed a bigger instructor. And then my instructor walked in and it was this tiny little guy. And I was <laughs> like, well, if, if that's the case, why have I got this tiny guy? And they looked at me as if to say, well, we don't know how to answer that, you know. But the pictures that I had after the parachute jump explained it all. I had big puffy cheek, cheeks. Uh, my body was inflamed. I looked swollen. Um, I looked like a hamster. And I paid close to £400 for a video and for uh, photographs for this parachute jump. And I deleted them. And I never showed anyone these pictures because I was so embarrassed of the way that I looked. And that was the catalyst for me seeing this picture. Um, but unfortunately, the food that we eat 
Um, you know, we, we tend to eat food when we're happy. We eat food to celebrate and we eat food bad. Um, I was one of these people that over-consumed, you know, when I was pressed and I could eat a lot of food. Over the next couple of months, I put on, uh, you know, additional three stone and went to 17 stone. Um, so, and one, so you were, on, you felt bad at 14 stone, but then you carried on. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And got, well, not that, not that you, you know, you didn't do it intentionally, but then that even from there, that increased even more. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So it, so I'm just gonna, 14... I'm just gonna 17 stone. I'm just gonna convert that into pounds and kilos because we have listeners all over the world. So, um, 238 pounds and 108 kilos. Well, yeah. Yeah. That's a lot. How tall are yes. you? It's five nine, so I'm not overly tall either. Um, five nine, frame, you say? Sorry. Five foot nine, yeah. Sorry, you broke up a little bit, yeah. Yeah, five foot nine, so my frame is small. Um, I'm not overly tall. So this was uh, a lot of weight for somebody with a small frame, but... Um, it's, I think, for people who suffer with anxiety and depression, they can they can attest to how restrictive, uh, you know, you can be within, uh, you know, when you suffer with these sorts of things. Uh, for others that maybe don't, they they don't understand, but it um it is absolutely debilitating, um, and I felt like I wanted to make a change. It uh, you know I wanted to grow up and be fit and healthy. I wanted to have children and be able to run around with my children, um, which I have one now, an eight-year-old little girl um, who's super active. (laughs) She's uh, she's eight. She just turned eight. Um, Super active. Um, But yeah, uh, I decided to make a change. And that first step came with me restricting bread, of all things. Um, I restricted bread. uh, Within the next two months, I'd lost two stone. Wow. Not, Not understanding what I was doing. I just knew that bread used to make me feel uncomfortable. Um, I was two stone down. I met with a friend of mine who mentioned uh, the word keto to me. Uh, I'd never heard of ketosis or you know, the, uh, the keto lifestyle. So I decided to look into this and I tested my ketones with the urine test strips, convinced that I was producing ketones and in a ketogenic state. But I wasn't because I was still eating foods that uh, I believed were healthy foods that I believed were low in carbohydrates. Um, and just before we came on air, I explained how um, how ill I was for the next two weeks when I actively restricted carbohydrates, not understanding anything about keto flu. And they were the worst two weeks of my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I genuinely thought I was going to die. And one night I went to bed. I woke up the next day and felt absolutely incredible. Um, it's as if this fog had been lifted. I could see clearly um, I could see colors that I couldn't see before. The mental clarity that I had was um, was something that I hadn't experienced since I was a child. And I had this energy in abundance. My sleep was better. So I decided to persevere um, against medical advice. My doctor told me that, you know, eating this sort of lifestyle was unhealthy. Uh, you need carbohydrates in your diet. You, you can't eat these saturated fats. Saturated fats lead to cardiovascular disease. Um my family reinforced this, but I could not get away from the fact that I felt so much healthier and I decided to ignore their advice and persevere because I felt 
the best that I'd ever felt. I continued this for the, for, for, well, for the next nine years, but we'd take it back to 12 months. Within 12 months, I'd lost 107 pounds, reversed my diabetes. I was now migraine-free. And these migraines that I used to suffer from were so debilitating that I was on three medications uh, every day. And if they progressed to the point where they, they went to the point of no return, I would be bedridden for three days yeah. uh, and, and they would make me blind. I still get migraines and I st- I'm still a sufferer, but um, I tend to get one or two a year. And this is usually from lack of sleep or stress, which um, come in abundance when you're self-employed, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, I can I can totally relate to that because I used to get migraines all the time almost every other day and yeah again like you it's a few a year now yeah and And they are absolutely debilitating um yeah yeah, all of these factors completely uh take over your life and i was convinced that there was um something within my genes you know that was making me unwell uh that maybe that you know um you know the, the genetics that i was given by my parents were not very good or most of my family suffer with some form of illness or disease and i never once for a second thought that it could be to do with the food that i was consuming so um, do you think the your anxiety and depression came about because of the food or were there other factors that influenced yes. it do you think yeah for sure it's um Without getting too scientific, uh, these foods we eat can alter the GABA to glutamate ratio, which can lead to depression and anxiety. Um, and by living this lifestyle, it, it, it balances these out. And I find that um, I still get little bouts. I, th- I think if you suffer with these things, I don't think you can ever completely eradicate them. But it's almost you're, you're able to squash them down and put them behind you uh, and carry on with your daily life. You know, it's a little chip on your shoulder, but rather than being all consuming and taking over your life uh, as an entirety, you can manage it comfortably. I do things now that I would have never have thought of doing before public speaking events. Um, We give talks in in front of hundreds and thousands of people. We're doing podcasts on a regular basis. You know, we're meeting with people from all over the world. Um, And I, I used to compete up until last year. I used to compete professionally. Um, and that would entail me competing in front of thousands of people on stage. Um, these things. Tell the, tell the listeners what you used to compete in. So I used to compete in men's physique bodybuilding. Um, as a result of living the lifestyle, I lost uh, £107. I became incredibly lean. That was. Um, I was just going to add in there, that's 48 kilos you've lost. Yeah. 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 So it's, it's, that's uh, almost a person. Yeah. Or a small person. Um, now, as you know from living this lifestyle, we are told continuously that you need carbohydrates. You can't live without carbohydrates. There's no such thing as an essential carbohydrate. But within the fitness community, you know, we're told that we need carbohydrates for energy to train and we need carbohydrates to build muscle. Um, and what I found is that I was able to lose body fat and build muscle at the same time, which we're told is is impossible. Um, so I decided to, to to prove this was incorrect, not understanding any, any of the science behind it at the time, but I decided to enter an amateur competition in, in men's physique bodybuilding. I told everybody that I was entering it uh, because I'm the type of person that when I commit to something and tell people that I'm doing it, then I have to see it through. Yeah. Um, my friends and family begged me not to do it because they, they knew 
uh, how badly that I suffered with this anxiety and depression. And the thought of walking on stage in front of hundreds of people um, was debilitating enough. Uh, and they thought that I was either going to not walk on or embarrass myself. But I persevered. I decided to do it anyway. And I remember that the day that um, the, the first competition that I went to, I was the last in the lineup to walk on stage. And I stopped just before the curtain. Um, and I almost didn't walk on. And a friend of mine called me from from the crowd, cheered me on. And that was enough for me to walk on. And I almost f- forgot how to walk. This is how nervous that I was. My legs were shaking. Um, I felt that I was going to fall over. But but I continued. I walked on and I came second in this competition. Wow. Second in my first competition. So I decided to go back the year after. Um, I competed in a couple of other um, categories and I came second and third. Uh, the following year, I came third in a really good competition and was awarded pro status. Uh, went back and came second in a pro show the year after. And the year after that, I won the British Championship at a pro level. And two years after that, the European Championship. So I went from being unable to walk up my stairs without being uh, severely out of breath uh, to becoming number one in a professional sport you know, in, in Europe. And this is, uh, yes, it entailed a lot of hard work. Um, but the basis for this was the diet that I, that I, you know, that I was, that I was living, the food that I was consuming, and more importantly, the food that I was not consuming. Yeah. Um, foods that we are told are good for us, foods that we are told are healthy. There are certain foods that are detrimental to our health. We have been fed uh, a lot of um, misconceptions since the 1950s, and these Literally. Unfold- Literally fed them. Yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah, literally. Uh, and when you tell people from the high street, so when I speak to customers on a daily basis and tell them about these five things that we are told that are detrimental to our health, yet I believe that are imperative for life, um, their first reaction is when well, my doctor says this. Well, a, a doctor is a, a nutritionist, I know, for, for a start. Um, I work alongside doctors. Some are what I call in the enlightened ones and others uh, are just going by the script, what they taught. The enlightened ones understand the impacts of certain foods, but um, unfortunately, many doctors are trained by the pharmaceutical companies. So the, the doctor has your best interest at heart, but unfortunately, they are trained in medication. Um, and my goal was to eradicate the medication that I was consuming because I believe that there was a better way. Uh, we didn't take medication through our entire evolutionary period. Why do we need medication now? Um, mm-hmm. And I believed it came from the foods that we are consuming, uh, and I still believe that now. And uh, yeah, this this is this is where we are now. So, are you happy to share the five things you tell people on the high street to avoid? For sure. So uh, we are told to consume our grains. Uh, grains are detrimental to our health. Um, they contain carbohydrate binding proteins called lectins, which lead to intestinal permeability or leaky gut. And this leaky gut leads to autoimmune disease. Um, these lectins also bind to receptor sites on the microvilli line in the gut and prevent the absorption of other nutrients. And they also bind to insulin receptors, which uh, causes five times more fat storage than insulin does itself. Um, so consuming that bowl of muesli in the morning um, basically signals the body to store fat as well as causing autoimmune disease. Yet we consume grains in in some form or another almost with every meal. So grains is number one. Seed oils is number two. Um, 
And to be honest, I believe probably CEDAWs maybe to be even more detrimental to your health. Um, at a percentage, I believe they contribute to insulin resistance about 6% more than carbohydrates. But they're certainly you know, on par with, um, uh, with the grains. And seed oils uh, are not... Uh, they're not found in nature. They, they don't. These vegetable oils—they don't come from vegetables. They come from seeds, and they're treated with toxic chemicals like hexane and peroxide. Um, we fuel our diesel car on these oils, uh, but we wouldn't cook in diesel. So why are we cooking these oils? These these oils are high in an oxidized omega six called linoleic acid, which damages the liver, leads to insulin resistance, um, and it causes us at a cellular level to gain weight. It signals the body to to store fat. Now, saturated fats don't do this. Uh, and omega threes don't do this. And, and these, our, uh, our bodies don't know what to do with these oils. They it, no. it can't burn it. It can't use it as fuel. So it, the only thing it can do is store it. Store it exactly. And these oils are also, I believe, one of the biggest contributing factors to the skin cancer. You know, we are told to avoid the sun. The sun is something in nature that has been around our entire existence. Yes, overexposure can be detrimental, but the sun also gives out UVA rays, which increase nitric oxide, and nitric oxide increases longevity. So spells of um, exposure to UVA is essential for life. Um, and I don't believe that that's the cause of, of skin cancer. And we see this in studies all over the world. People who consume these seed oils um, are literally burning from the inside out. They're being cooked by the UVB rays. Yet, and I used to burn as a child. I used to burn. I used to go beat with red. Now that I consume lots of saturated fats, I don't uh, I don't apply any sun cream whatsoever. Um, I believe there's more toxic chemicals and carcinogens within these oils, um, you know, the, the, the sun blockers, and there are. Uh, from the sun and yeah, studies from Sweden you know, highlight this. So th those are number one and two, uh, grains okay. and seed oils. So I was just going to say to you, I, I don't use um, suntan creams. Ex the only time I do is if I'm on a sunny holiday and I need to spend a lot of time in the sun. Yeah. But mostly my suntan cream is coconut oil and sitting in the shade and just going out for short periods of time and then coming back Perfect. in the shade um and so yeah and i if you're careful you don't burn you don't yeah. burn well these studies show that even in people with skin cancer that they're at less risk of skin cancer if they're exposed to 20 minutes of uva per day rather than no sun exposure at all um and these are massive studies so it is just testament to the fact that you know the, the sun isn't this evil orb in the sky you know it's it's something that we've evolved through uh, our entire existence and there are benefits to the sun and we need we need uva rays you know we need the sun exposure um what's changed is the consumption of these seed oils um again manipulated by man created by man uh they're not found in nature uh, and we should not be consuming them so th those are one and two um number three we are told to avoid saturated fats yeah um saturated fats are essential for life they allow us to create cholesterol cholesterol is imperative for life cholesterol um which is number four basically the sat we're told to avoid saturated fats because of cardiovascular disease uh and you know the cholesterol is detrimental to our health but cholesterol you know, again is imperative for life it's essential for cell formation cell communication nutrient absorption nutrient transportation the production of hormones which is why i believe that many suffer with hormonal issues as they age and it's essential for healing every cell in the body is made of cholesterol the myelin sheath 
is made of saturated fats and cholesterol. The brain is 60% saturated fats. And this is another contributing factor, I believe, to Alzheimer's and dementia, or what's now being called type 3 diabetes. Uh, and it's lack of, you know, if, if the brain is made up of predominantly saturated fats and we are restricting saturated fats, what do we think is going to happen when we are restricting, you know, th- this um, this substance that the brain needs? We need saturated fats and cholesterol. Um, and, they are essential for I think the really important thing is, one, we make enough cholesterol. We make cholesterol because that's we do. that important. And the other thing is, without cholesterol, we would die. Exactly. It's essential so for life. I, yeah. So why are they just trying to push it down and push it down all the time? Yeah. Cholesterol is not the cause of cardiovascular disease. Um, I did uh, a podcast with Ben Azadi last year, which uh, is one of his most viewed podcasts. Um, we spoke about cholesterol. I, I went into detail about the difference between patent A and patent B LDL and how the LDL is protective. Um, LDL becomes damaged through the overconsumption of carbs, particularly from grains and from the overconsumption of seed oils. So the two things that we are told to help us to, to, to combat cardiovascular disease are in fact the very things that are causing cardiovascular disease. So that, that, that video is available uh, on, on the website uh, if anybody wants to take a look at that. I've done a short version of that as well, which is about 16 minutes long. Um, and number five for me is, is animal proteins, particularly red meat. We're told to avoid red meat. Um, and red meat is the most nutrient-dense food on the planet. Uh, organ meats are, are, are number one, particularly beef liver, um, but red meat is highly nutrient dense. We're told that it leads to cancer and it doesn't. These studies just don't show this at all. Even the studies that are labeled red meat causes cancer. When you delve into them out of 800 studies, not one of them actually causes, uh, shows any correlation between cancer and red meat consumption. Um, and you, you could actually add another in there as well, is that we're told to consume five fruit and veg a day. Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I, I believe that we are told to do this because if we overconsume our fruit and veg, then we no longer have room to consume the animal proteins, which are in fact where all of our nutrients come from. Plants contain nutrients, um, but they're not always in human form. They're in plant form and we need to convert them into human form. Um, and they are not very bioavailable. And I'm not telling people not to consume vegetables by any means, but it's more to highlight the importance of animal proteins. Animal proteins are the most nutrient-dense foods on the planet. They contain every vitamin and mineral we need, not just to survive, but thrive, including vitamin C, which uh, many um, are not aware of. Meats contain vitamin C, um, but meats contain things like choline, creatine, carnosine, and carnitine, things that we can't get from plants. Um, Vitamins like uh, vitamin A don't exist in plant form. Uh, plants contain beta carotene, which is a precursor that needs to be acted upon by an enzyme called BCMO to convert it into the active form of retinol. And to do this, it costs the body 21 times to convert it. Um, things like vitamin D don't exist in plants. B vitamins, very poor in plants, particularly B12. Well, B12 yeah. don't, doesn't exist in plants, which is why many um, uh, later in life suffer with you know, vitamin B12 or cobalamin uh, deficiencies, iron deficiencies. And, and I think... Um, to, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, that B12 is is a massive influence on brain health and yep. depression and it, yeah. anxiety. So people that are lacking in B12 because they don't eat meat or they don't eat a lot or I don't like red meat, um, yeah. they, you get all those stories, but yet they're suffering with anxiety and depression and, yeah, 
all, all of these things are, I, I believe that they're interlinked. We look at all of these issues as being separate issues, you know, th- from uh, insulin resistance and diabetes up to Alzheimer's, um, uh, autoimmune disease, cancers. It all stems from the food that we eat. Um, we we put these foods in that are damaging our bodies, even to the extent with, with cancers. Cancer cells are fueled by glucose. They're metabolically inflexible. They cannot be fueled by, by, by ketones. Um, you know, these grains that are contributing to this, this, these autoimmune issues, fibromyalgia, um, um, arthritic pains, uh, you know, anything, anything that you can think of seems to stem from insulin resistance and inflammation. Uh, and the two biggest contributing factors to these are the overconsumption of carbohydrates, particularly from grains, uh, and the overconsumption of seed oils. The issue with this is that it's, it's everywhere within our diet, everywhere we go. Uh, we are bombarded with. Um, I went to a restaurant recently and I ordered um, uh, king prawns. I thought a safe bet. The king prawns came breaded. I said, like, "Why are you breading king prawns? They're perfect as they are." Um, so I, yeah, I peeled it off. You know? That but, happened to me at work a few weeks ago, and I ordered a chicken salad, and it came breaded, and it's like, what "What's is, wrong with chicken? What is this? What?" And it wasn't even real bread. It was oh, it was horrible. It just tasted disgusting. But so that was a complete waste of money. I mean, I did pull out a bit of chicken, but there wasn't a lot in there, and I'm not even sure it was really chicken. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's everywhere we go, um, even down to the seed oils. So when I explain to people about the detrimental health impacts of seed oils. They tell me, well, I don't cook in seed oils. Um, but then when we go through their, their shopping list, um, almost everything in the supermarket contains these vegetable or seed oils. And they come in different forms. They may be called vegetable oil. They may be under sunflower oil, safflower oil, rapeseed oil, grapeseed oil. They're all, they don't come from vegetables. They come from seeds. And they're high in this oxidized omega-6 called linoleic acid, which is detrimental to our health. And it's in almost everything that we consume. Um, these foods in the supermarket are not foods. They are manipulated by man. They are franken foods. Uh, like substances. Exactly. And, you know, I'm not saying not to, not, not to eat them at all. If you can take them out of your diet completely, fantastic. Um, I have, I've, you know, moved away from consuming anything of that sort. Um, and I've gravitated into what people would probably deem to be an extreme lifestyle. Um, I'm predominantly carnivore-based or animal-based. So my diet uh, c- uh, con- contains meat, eggs, fish, cheese, occasionally Greek yogurt, uh, and some of the products that we manufacture. Um, and that's it. Um, it's not to say that I never eat fruit or veg, um, but it's highly limited. If I, if I go out for a meal, I will order a fish dish or a meat dish uh, I will tell the restaurant, I'll ask the, re- the restaurant what they're cooking in, and I'll tell them that I'm allergic to vegetable oil, because I think if you go into a restaurant and say that, um, you know, uh, I'm, I'm fussy because I'm keto, um, can you not cook in vegetable oil? You know, they get they get the hump and look at you stupid. So, But if you tell them that you're allergic to something, um, they take it on board immediately. So I, I'll ask them to either cook, you know, my food in butter, tallow, lard or ghee, um, or quite often, if they don't have these, you know, they'll dry fry or grill them. Um, so we can get around this even when we, you know, we go out for, for a meal. Um, I'll usually ask to swap things like chips and potatoes for either halloumi fries or king prawns or um, uh, mushrooms cooked in butter or eggs. Um, 
uh, or I'll go for extra salad or you know vegetables and I will consume them then you know yeah um, but it it the life the lifestyle isn't restrictive I find the way that I live my life highly indulgent I get to eat you know crispy chicken skin and the fat on my pork chops lamb and steak and you know heart liver kidney the local butcher that I work with makes me rusk free burgers and sausages um I go through temps of full fat minced beef king prawn salmon sardines mackerel I love the food that I eat uh, and I I could never go back to eating you know these these fake foods these franken foods that um, that are found within the supermarket that we have uh, uh, unfortunately been brainwashed to believe a healthy you know if if a product in the supermarket needs to be labeled health or healthy then it's you know it's usually a warning sign that it in fact is the opposite <laughs> yeah it's got one of these five things in it grain seed oils saturated well yeah it won't have saturated fats it won't have anything that's going to raise your cholesterol it won't have red meat and it will have five fruit five fruit and veg yeah, <laughs> perfect. <laughs> Spot on. Everything is backwards. It's all it backwards. Is. It is, and it, um, yeah, it's, and you know, as you know, I think we face an uphill struggle trying to re-educate people and trying to overcome seventy years of misinformation. Um, but it is growing. That information is getting out there. Things like this, I think, are helping podcasts to get in the word out there speaking to people face to face and one person that you work with um that person could change their life and then there's a ripple effect or the butterfly effect that person will, will will tell their friend or their friend will ask them quite often you know you've you've lost an awful lot of weight um and living living this lifestyle isn't isn't about the weight loss the weight loss is a side effect yeah um you know living this this lifestyle is a healing lifestyle this this lifestyle heals and repairs the body and the weight loss is a side effect as an improvement uh, on on insulin resistance um improving insulin sensitivity uh but their friends will ask them you know how have you lost this weight you know well i'm i'm living this lifestyle well do you think it's healthy well yeah i'm i'm doing things that i've never done before um there was a lady that i work with now uh, called sarah she's a neurophysiologist with swansea um uh, singleton hospital and a, a lecturer with swansea university so she's a highly intelligent person um she came to see me after i worked with her husband on athletic performance she was type 2 diabetic she'd been suffering with with diabetes for 23 years and she was clinically obese um within 12 months she had l- lost seven stone i believe reversed her diabetes in fact the diabetes was reversed within a few weeks um she lost all that weight uh, improved in mental clarity and concentration. She quite often says when she's giving lect- lectures in Swansea Uni, it's difficult to remember all of these big words, and now they just seem to pop into her head. Uh, but Sarah could not walk a mile, and now she runs marathons. And she competed with me in a duathlon last weekend, and she won her age category. Uh, all of this has, has happened within just a year. So people will quite often say, well, she's lost the weight because she's running. No, she didn't. She didn't lose the weight because she was running she started to run because she lost the weight not the other way around yeah um so all of these things are are contributing factors to improving health and well-being and one fuels the other but she's she's the healthiest and fittest that she's ever been and and she's she'll openly admit that she's fitter now that she's 50 than she was in her 20s um 
And it's just testament to the way that we live, the lifestyle that we lead, the foods that we consume and the foods that we don't consume, probably more importantly. Yeah, absolutely. And um, and I think we had on Dr. Asim Mahultra, um a while back and he was in that episode, he was talking a lot about, you know, the corporations and how much they make money from us being eating the the foods that we're not supposed to and being sick. So you've got the big food and the big pharma that are doing wonderfully well because we're sick, as I always say, sick and stupid. Um, and because we can't think straight, we're lacking in energy, we can't do stuff, then we get worse, then we take more medication, and then they give you this medication, but, oh, now it's caused something else, let's give you a different medication. And before you know it, you've got this whole long list of medications that you're taking, which is supporting all the pharmaceutical industry and the big food industry because then you can't think very much, so you just eat the same foods, and it's going round and round, and we're just getting sicker and sicker. Uh, there's a few points there, actually, that you, you mentioned that um, we become blind almost to um, the real world. We become narrow minded and we become blinkered and we begin to believe everything that we're told by the media. Um, and in regards to things like saturated fats and cholesterol um, and even probably a, a little bit controversial, but even when it comes down to vaccines, um, rather than doing research, you know, we believe that. Everything that we're told is is accurate without looking into more depth. Um, but yeah, it's funny what you say there because the food industry and the pharmaceutical companies are owned by the same companies. So one makes us sick and then the other gives us medication to to make us better, um, allegedly. Except you're, except you're never really better. No, it doesn't. So it's the perfect business model. So I take my hat off to them. They've created a perfect business model yeah. that generates stupid amounts of money but unfortunately millions and millions of people are dying off the back of them profiting off this um and to, you know that's a sad state of affairs really isn't it that uh, yeah you know, and then there's people like you and me and lots of others in the space who really want people to get well you want to live a healthy life and be well yet we don't get listened to it's interesting it's very yeah. interesting yeah I've posted an awful lot of information over the last few years, uh, a few of which posts that I released on Facebook um, got me blocked. Um, and I had issues with my website on Google. I won't go into too much detail. Um, but yeah, it's it's crazy how we need to be careful what we say on social media. Yet everything that we say is evidence-based. This isn't just opinion it is my opinion but it's my opinion based on experience and my opinion based on on research on clinical trials and research papers uh, published on people you know like the, the bmj for example these are facts you know it, it's it's not fiction yet we're not allowed to air our opinion um and unfortunately that just goes to show how powerful these organizations are um and i think they'll continue to make money for a, for a long period of time moving forward but we fight the good fight. We still continue to push forward and we educate one person at a time. Um, and hopefully from that, that ripple effect, as we say, will educate another person and another. Uh, but change, change is coming. It is coming slowly, I hope. <laughs> mm. So can you tell us a little bit, because we were ta- you were talking about um, cholesterol and p- the particles. Can you 
tell us a little bit about that um a's and b's and fluffy and non-fluffy and yeah so it um we are told hdl is good for us and it is fantastic we're told that ldl is bad it can be uh but in nature in a natural state it isn't ldl is in fact what heals the body ldl heals the body and ldl repairs the body so the liver will send out uh, a vldl particle a very low density lipid protein and this will travel through the body and drop off lipid cargo in order to heal and repair the body now when we think about that in in the context that i've just said that straight away doesn't sound detrimental to your health something that heals and repairs the body and this is what ldl does uh, and then after it's done this it goes back to the liver where it's recycled and sent out again each ldl particle contains something called an apoB100 receptor these particles have one of them every particle has one uh, and it's this receptor that is recognized as an access card to the liver so without this this uh, apoB100 receptor the liver will deny it access uh, unfortunately th- this this particle can become damaged through glycation and oxidation glycation caused through the overconsumption of carbohydrates and oxidation through the overconsumption of seed oils so when these particles are damaged they build up in the bloodstream but they still try to carry out their, their job they still continue to travel through the body um, in an attempt to heal and repair the body but now uh, that the arterial wall is damaged because we've been we've been consuming lots of amounts of carbohydrates particularly from grains and seed oils these damage the glycocalyx which line the arterial wall and the glycocalyx is the arterial wall's first line of defense uh once this is damaged it takes 8 to 12 hours to repair uh and we are told to consume foods every 2 to 3 hours so this glycocalyx is never recovering now that it's damaged the ldl particle has access to the subendothelial space where it travels into in order to repair but within the subendothelial uh, subendothelial space is a cell called a macrophage and the macrophage has a scavenger receptor and this scavenger receptor recognizes this damaged apoB100 receptor when the liver didn't and allows it access and basically crams in these damaged ldl particles until it grows into a form cell and it's this form cell that is the beginning of an atherosclerotic plaque so even though ldl is present it's damaged ldl uh, and it's caused through the overconsumption of carbohydrates particularly from grains um so that's glycation and oxidation from seed oils so cholesterol isn't the cause of cardiovascular disease cholesterol is the substance that's trying to heal and repair the body and you you'll quite often hear the analogy that um blaming cholesterol for cardiovascular disease is like blaming the firefighter uh for starting the fire because at the scene of, of every fire there's a firefighter um you know and it's the same with cholesterol cholesterol is there to heal and repair the body in our natural state ldl is what we call pattern a and that's healing and repairing but it becomes oxidized and glycated or, or pattern b as i say through glycation and oxidation through the overconsumption of carbohydrates particularly from grains and seed oils um i'm not saying carbohydrates are detrimental to your health uh, but overconsumption of carbohydrates is detrimental is, yeah. so i i'm not against carbohydrates people quite often say that um you know you're anti carb i'm not anti carb i'm i'm anti overconsuming carbs because this uh, overconsumption of carbs uh, has a det- detrimental impact on on insulin resistance um many of us uh, suffer with insulin resistance i dare to say there's probably 95 plus percent um suffer with insulin resistance and it's this insulin resistance that leads 
to, to type 2 diabetes. But this insulin resistance begins 15 years prior to being diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. So if we go to the doctor and have our blood glucose tested, we are shown to be in a normal range. And this is because the pancreas is doing its job. It's upregulating the amount of insulin it's releasing. And this insulin is driving its glucose into the cell. But behind the scenes, this insulin is increasing and increasing all the time until it gets to a point where it can't increase anymore. Um, and then it can no longer shuttle this glucose into the cell. And then we are diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. But this insulin resistance began 10 to 15 years prior to this. And a way to tell if we are insulin resistant um, is a simple test is central adiposity. If we have an overhang over our belt, um, it's quite likely that we are insulin resistant. Skin tags is another indication of, of insulin resistance. Uh, and many of us are, you know, are, are this way. We, you know, we, we are suffering with this insulin resistance. But we go to the doctor, we have our bloods tested. The doctor tells us that we're not, you know, we, we don't we don't suffer with diabetes. Now the doctor can test insulin levels, and I don't understand why. They don't. Um, yeah, it's... I think. Well, this is what I've heard is because they then, if they come back, they don't know what to do with the. They don't know what to do with the results, so they don't test it. Right. Okay. Yeah. Because they just don't know. But again, yeah. it's yeah, it it is scary but because. It's... You know, sure. we, we know that we can reverse this insulin resistance almost overnight, not completely. But if you were to lower carbohydrate consumption and what I what I'll say about carbohydrates is that people looking to improve their health will restrict sugar. Uh, we know we all know sugar is detrimental to our health. But yep. what many don't understand is all carbohydrates break down into glucose. All carbohydrates are sugar. Um, the worst thing is that. They are called carbohydrates, and then sugar is called sugar. They are one and the same. All carbohydrates, sugar eventually. Um, some sugar immediately, and others will be stored in the liver and muscle as glycogen, uh, but all will sugar eventually. So carbohydrates equals sugar. Um, by restricting carbohydrates, i.e. sugar, we can improve insulin sensitivity almost overnight. We literally see it drop in overnight. And within a couple of weeks, we can improve insulin sensitivity to the point where we could be technically deemed to have reversed you know, this, this insulin resistance uh, and type 2 diabetes. I've, I've worked with people who have, um, on blood glucose readings, you know, if we were to follow um, the protocol of a blood glucose test, that they, they are technically in a non-diabetic um, region within those two weeks. Uh, I spoke with Ben Azadi recently, uh, and Ben Azadi said that... Um, uh, in America, they, it costs $30 to educate someone in order to reverse type 2 diabetes. Um, yet, the pharmaceutical companies will make 700,000 off issuing medication. So which one do you think, you know, are they going to go for? Uh, and again, unfortunately, heavily financially driven. Um, again, I'm not against medication. I think there's a place for medication, but... We need to be looking at the root cause and addressing that problem at the root cause, not addressing a symptom. Uh, almost every client that I work with has massively reversed, um, uh, or reduced or completely removed all medications since you know, uh, implementing some simple changes within their, 
within their diet. And these are things that they've suffered with for up to 30 years, severe gastrointestinal issues, um, autoimmune issues, things that they've been combating almost all their life, things that have been absolutely debilitating, all through removing, in particular, grains and seed oils. And I think that's not even keto. You know, we talk about being ketogenic, removing grains and removing seed oils, that, that you can do this without even gravitating into a ketogenic lifestyle. And I think if everybody can do that moving forward, you're going to massively improve your health and well-being. And if you can restrict carbohydrates along the way, then, you know, win-win. Um, yeah, absolutely. Fabulous. So how are your family with this, as in your wife and your daughter? How do they... Do they eat like you or similar? Are they still low carb or how does it work with them? So my wife is predominantly carnivore as well. Um, she was surprisingly um, in a ketogenic state when I tested her before we even um, started to gravitate it into more of a keto lifestyle. Um, and then it made perfect sense because when I took a step back and looked at what she was consuming, uh, she consumed very well she didn't consume grains anyway she didn't eat bread uh, very few takeaways she used to eat you know eggs and cheese and meats um with some veg but she she you know trains a lot um so she was actually in a ketogenic state naturally she was consuming the foods that made her feel good and fueled her brain and fueled her day so she intuitively gravitated into that lifestyle um without us even knowing but now she's more more animal based carnival based my little girl, um, now this this is a difficult one. If if I had my way, I would have her live in uh, a carnivore based lifestyle. But I'm also conscious that in school, you know, it isn't always possible. Um, I could make her pack lunch, but then she doesn't sit with her friends. So there's a whole other layer that comes into this as well. And I don't want to ostracize her when she goes to her friend's birthday parties where she can't eat chicken and gets a half birthday cake. Um, So she has a flexible lifestyle. Now, she knows she's only eight and she probably understands nutrition better than most nutritionists or dietitians. (laughs) Um, She will tell you that, um, you know, red meat is really good for you. Animal proteins are really good. She understands that, you know, chicken nuggets are not real food, you know, she knows that uh, organ meats are really good um, to the point where she was in school recently and they went through uh, what healthy foods were. And, and she was the only one in class that you know, said about the animal proteins. Um, so I educate her into understanding what these healthy foods are. Um, but I don't overly restrict her as in if, if, if I cook her food, you know, I'll cook uh, steak and I'll cut it up into tiny little pieces um, I'll cook what I call stringy burger, so minced meat, because she likes burgers. So we do what, what I call stringy burger. I'll pan fry stringy burger, or I may even make burgers out of minced meat. Um, uh, or I'll cook chicken breast. Obviously, you know, we, we, there isn't breaded. Um, mm. But I'll also add things like you know cucumber sticks and little cubes of cheese. Uh, but when when Amanda cooks, you know, she she will cook chicken nuggets occasionally um you know and it's i'd rather her not consume these foods at all um but i think it's important as i say not to ostracize her from friends you know when it comes into the, to the real world but she's she's educated enough to understand and i'm hoping that she will um 
follow us and i think we do as a, as a people you know as we grow up we tend to follow our parents we blame a lot of our ill health on um on our genes yeah it run, you know people will often say well it runs in my family well the food that you consume also runs in your family yeah, you absolutely. what your parents are eating uh, and i'm a big believer in that and um so she eats an awful lot of the food that i consume but she does put some of the nasties in I'd love her not to, but it, um, I think that's a decision that, you know, she needs to gravitate into when yeah. she grows up as well, you know. But it's it's a difficult one. It, it is a difficult one. It's it, Yeah, and I definitely agree that kids have to fit in with all the other kids because there's nothing worse than being singled out as that strange person. Um, and so you, you, you need to they, – they need to fit in, but she's got the education to know – what's good for her and yeah. so hopefully as she grows she'll just make more and more of those choices and disguise it maybe a bit better than yeah. than the other kids and you know and she might be influencing people as she goes less along so. less hope so yeah she's recently had uh three or four teeth removed so she had an operation with the dentist to have some teeth removed um so she's a little bit sore at the moment and she's back in school on monday um so she she's worried about going back into school and eating foods that are going to cause pain because you know she's her, her baby teeth now have been taken out. Um, so she wanted me to make sandwiches for her to take to school on Monday. Um, and one of the products that I stock is a is a, is a low uh, a low carb bread. It still contains lectins, but it's heavily reduced. Um, so she asked me if she could make it in in that so tuna sandwiches basically in, in this low low carb bread so that, that's you know that's a, a middle ground that i'm happy to meet her on um th- this low carb bread heavily reduced in carbs and lectin so it's it's almost a step in the right direction you know she's she hasn't removed breads but we're, we're replacing things slowly and obviously you know as i say is educating but but it was her idea which was good, you know, and she's always asking me, is is this, you know, is this, is this keto? That's what she quite often says. <laughs> uh, and and I, I, I try to correct her in saying, well, is, is it healthy? Is it, is it all, is it real food even? Because that's what keto is. It's just living off foods that we have survived and thrived off our entire existence. And this is real food. This is food that you find in your local butcher, which comes from two miles up the road from a local farm. Um, you know, not flown in from all over the world. You know, th- these are foods that are, that are uh, pasture raised, um, not caged, um, grass fed, grass finished, um, and locally sourced. And I think you know, th- this is um, my contribution really to the to the environment because I'm not um, buying products that are flown in from all over the world. Uh, which, yeah, it. Um, when we look at vegans and vegetarians, which I work with a lot of, I've got nothing against vegans or vegetarians, but I think there's a lot of misinformation in there in regards to, um, you know, animal cruelty, um, quality of of of, meat, of, of um, nutrients, and the effects on the environment. So all of my food being carnivore comes from two miles up the road. Um, I, you know, I don't consume these fruits and and, and things that are uh, the exotic fruits that are flown in from all over the world. You know, that are contributing to um, you know, these uh, environmental impacts, but um, big education pieces again. But I guess we've gone slightly off the topic there. Yeah, there's <laughs> there's such a big topic that it would take someone ages to get their head around, unless they're already understanding that 
um, the vegan vegetarian agenda is the one pushing for sickness rather than health because it's the, all those things that were on your list or not on your list. And the fact that I don't think people think about they have to transport them all that way. You know, people are saying, oh, I've got to eat my avocados. Well, where do you think avocados they come from? don't naturally <laughs> grow here? So and and as people, we would have and I'm going back, you know, years, but we would have lived off the land locally. We would have had our own animals. There would have been vegetation on the bushes that we ate but we wouldn't have got it from halfway around the world. Yeah, And I think exactly. people don't see that and they're constantly focusing on this climate agenda. But actually, when you take it back to basics, one, the climate will sort itself out if people stop interfering and spraying things in the air and putting pesticides on foods and transporting dangerous goods that, that pollute the air we would probably be fine and it might kill us off, but the world will still be here. It will still keep going. We want, we're not going to kill the world. We're just going to kill ourselves. Anyway, yeah. that's my yeah. getting on my soapbox about yeah. all the stuff that's going on in the world today. That is so, so wrong. Um, but yeah, try and yeah. Is eat, that... eat real food is the first one. And then exactly eat locally, you know, yeah, if you perfect. can, if you I'm... can. It is as simple as that. And I think that you've probably just hit a whole other podcast there um, that maybe we could arrange in the future, looking into, you know, this uh, this argument between animal proteins and, and vegans, etc. But uh, yeah, it um, the, the never ending debate, I guess, isn't it? But it, it yeah, as you rightly say, it's uh, locally sourced real food, whole foods, um, you know, not consuming these foods that have been sprayed by pesticides and um, manipulated by man, the Franken foods that are in the supermarket. And that's what living the lifestyle is. It's just living the foods that are given to us by nature. Yeah. You know, it, um, it's as simple as that. Absolutely. So tell people about what you do, how you help people and, and your shop and everything. Brilliant. So it, yeah, yeah following um, my weight loss and reversal of, of my illnesses, I felt that I had a secret. I wanted to tell the world about my secret. So um, stupidly, <laughs> my uh, wife and I sold two houses that we owned outright. Um, we now rent and there's nothing wrong with renting, um, but to sacrifice two properties to put into something you believe, I think is testament to how much you believe in in, in that cause. And I believe that I found a secret and I want to tell the world about my secret. I'll, I'll talk to anybody that wants to listen. Um, hence, like the free consultations and public speaking events that we do. Um, but we re-educate people in the means of real nutrition. We educate people in removing uh, of grains and seed oils and how beneficial reducing carbohydrates can be. So whether you want to call that healthy living, low carb, keto, carnival, whatever you want to label it, um, you know, this is what we do. Uh, so. I began doing that through coaching. We brought out a range of products that can help things like um, C8 oils and powders, which are multi-award winning and uh, officially the world's highest purity. Um, things like uh, healthy proteins for people who maybe struggle to eat animal proteins, uh, collagens, type one and type three, uh, um, all wild caught and grass fed. Um, we do things like exogenous ketones, 
Uh, and there are a lot of co- common misconceptions uh, in regards to, to exogenous ketones. Um, I'll quickly tell you about a story in regards to one of them. A gentleman came to see me and he said that um, his blood glucose levels were 27, I think it was. And he had no intention of living the keto or low carb lifestyle. I'm happy with the food I eat. Can you help me? And I don't sell magic pills. I believe in correctness through diet and nutrition. But he said, look, I'm not going to do it. So can you help me or not? So um, I gave him some exogenous ketones to try because exogenous ketones can help with insulin sensitivity. They'll help improve insulin sensitivity. He came back into me two weeks later and said that his blood glucose levels were eight and they hadn't been below 17 in over two years. Um, so this had helped improve his health and well-being. Off the back of that, he decided to gravitate into living the lifestyle. So, you know, these products can can help this as well. And there's lots of other benefits in blocking uh, things like NLRP3 inflammasome, which is responsible for much of the inflammatory signal in the body. And we can get this through living a keto lifestyle, producing endogenous ketones as well. Uh, but there are products out there that can help with that. And we stock all low-carb low products for people who are gravitating into the lifestyle. We try to offer, um, you know, people will think that they are um, fake products, if you like. But then the, the cakes and things that we that we offer are super low in sugar, uh, as lectin-free as they can be, low in, you know, in, in carbohydrates. And these are um, tools that will allow people to gravitate into living the lifestyle because they, they come from this background of, um, sugar addiction, carbs is sugar, you know, sugar is a drug and it's more addictive than heroin. So if they can eat, you know, if you want to call it a low carb or keto cake, uh, and that's going to prevent them from eating a Mars bar, then that's a win in my book. Um, yeah. and that's what we do with all the products. There's all sorts of products to help them, in- including, you know, brands like Hunter and Gather. We, we, we stock their sources of meals, which are all seed oil free and made from all natural ingredients. So we try to offer, um, the one stop shop if you like, for alternatives from the nasties that are found on the high street. Um, and that's what we do in a nutshell. We've got a shop on the high street in, in Queen Street in Leith, and we're online. Um, the web address is uh, theketopro.com. Um, I'm also available on Instagram under keto underscore pro. And uh, we have a keto group on Facebook called Keto. <laughs> a lot of thought <laughs> went into that one. Um, we, we've recently changed it to, to to Kilo, which is Keto Low Carb, because we try to uh, promote all aspects of improving health. And there seems to be a divide. You've probably experienced this yourself, a divide within the community. We are probably what you call um, uh, uh, the extreme end of living the lifestyle. You know, we, we are probably highly restrictive uh, and many that live in our lifestyle that are highly restrictive will say that, you know, these other products uh, or substitutes are not keto. But then they've also got to understand that we are many years into our journey and it's a big step for someone to swap, you know, bread or, to, or remove that from the, from the, 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 their diet. So if they can swap it for a low-carb alternative um, that maybe does still contain grains, which contains lectins, but they're heavily reduced and it's a step in the right direction. If they can swap, you know, these bars that they're consuming for keto-friendly products, then it's a step in the right direction because reducing that carbohydrate intake is going to improve insulin sensitivity. Lowering that lectin consumption is going to improve insulin sensitivity. Um, and it's going to help heal the gut. So it, it's all about these incremental changes and where people are within their journey. But this divide, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult one. You know, it's... Yeah. Um, it um, I, I'm at, at the right other opposite end of the scale 
But I also appreciate the fact that people coming into it need to be um, educated and, and spoon fed uh, into understanding. It's a big thing, isn't it? Telling people all of these things in one go. And these incremental changes, I, th- I think, sometimes are, are, the, are the best approach because once you once you bait somebody almost with uh, a low carb alternative, then you can explain to them the benefits uh, of removing the seed oils or removing grains completely, and then you know they be- they begin to move along their journey and improve their health and well being as they go. Yeah, absolutely. Because I in the beginning when I first went and I, you could call it keto, but. Um, it was like, oh, that's not keto. This is not keto. It has to be keto. And and I've changed so much over the last six years because one, a food isn't or isn't keto. It's only the state that your body produces by either eating that food or not eating that food. So now I talk about supportive choices or unsupportive choices. And, and I let people start where they want to start. I show them you know, this is fat burning zone. This is keto zone. Where, where do you want to be? Where, this is maintenance zone. Where do you want to be? And they choose where they want to be, but they're bringing their carbs down. Whatever they're eat, whatever they're doing, they are changing how they're eating, and and very quickly they soon bring it. I don't tell them anything what to do, but they do it themselves because yeah. they feel the benefits. Exactly. So it's this initial introduction, isn't it? Uh, and I think if you can lower carbohydrates and increase natural proteins, um, you're on the way in there. And then, as you rightly say, it's almost the first rung of the ladder, you know, the, the, the first step in their journey. And then they quickly want to learn more. They quickly see the benefits. They reap the benefits and they want to reap further benefits. So they naturally gravitate or they'll come back and ask you questions. Um and this is where the, the keto group that we've got or the low carb keto group we've got is super supportive because we support all aspects you know, of low carb. Um, and yeah, it's it's a case of helping people at whatever stage of their journey that they're on, because we're all on a different path. We're all on you know a different rung of that ladder. Um, as you rightly say, that, that first step is the most important one, isn't it? Yeah, just take the step and then the next and then the next, yeah. and then you you don't know where you end up because everybody goes a different route, a different journey, and it's it's about for me, it's about creating health. How do, how do you create health in your body? The yeah. weight is almost irrelevant. Yeah, totally yeah. agree, one hundred percent. Yes, so there Great. we are. So we put the world. Right, so there we, we have. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything that you wanted to mention that we haven't spoken about today? Um, I think I think we've covered an awful lot. I think we've gone well, well off what we were going to talk about. But it's um, yeah, I think it's all relative. Um, I think we've covered the basics there. I mean, if, if there's any takeaways, um, yeah. Well, I was going to ask you for your three top tips, so maybe that would perfect. Well, brilliant. So, I mean. The three, the three biggest things I would say, if if you can, if you can implement, if you can remove the grains, remove the seed oils, and lower carbohydrate consumption, um, you know those those three things are going to see massive health benefits. And if I can put a fourth in there as well, uh, really cheekily put a fourth. We, all, we always like a fourth one. Yeah, we like a fourth extra you, special thing. This is the bonus, the Brucey bonus. If you can add in uh, or increase animal proteins. All of these things combined. 
but the, the two most important to me, you know, are you know, the, the the reduction or complete re, uh, complete removal of grains and seed oils, um, and that's not even being ketogenic. But if you can couple that with lowering carbohydrates, which should come naturally when you remove the grains and when you up your protein, because protein will help you feel fuller for longer. It'll increase the thermic effect of the body, which means you lose more weight as well. Um, so all of these things. Um, bounce off each other if you if you like and improve health and well-being all around but um there you are you wanted three <laughs> there's, there's four, so. so rich thank you very much for joining me today it's been fascinating and uh thank you very much no problem at all thanks for having me been a pleasure in his mid to late 20s when Richard had been out having fun with other people his age his life was governed by severe anxiety stopping him from enjoying life. Add to that the migraines, he was completely debilitated. We hear this so often. Rich thought he was eating healthily. He was following the food plate that was recommended by the government. He was eating grains, avoiding saturated fats, keeping his fat low, getting his five a day. He did have some junk food, he said, but mostly it was healthy. And Rich, as many of us do, thought it was just genetics, that it runs in the family. And so many of us do think that. But so does the food we eat run in our families. It's amazing how he went from not being able to walk and being his life being so restricted to being on a stage in front of hundreds of people, even thousands of people, and being a British champion. Rich also made a good point that we've heard before, that doctors are not nutritionists. They do little to no training in diet and lifestyle. But doctors do two things. They tell you it has nothing to do, your complaint has nothing to do with diet and lifestyle. And then they tell you to improve your diet and lifestyle. When I heard Rich saying that when he eats out, he says that he's allergic to vegetable oils, it reminded me that I've stopped doing that. I eat out so little now that I tend not to worry too much if there are some seed oils. But maybe I ought to go back to worrying about it and asking and being a bit more requesting. That's not quite the right word. Being a bit more pushy, maybe, in asking for how I want it cooked. I usually take butter anyway, one, because I don't like the cheap butter most restaurants provide. And also I don't like salty butter, which is what in, in the UK most restaurants provide salty butter. So I've quite often, if I know I'm going out to eat, I've quite often got some butter in my handbag. I probably keep saying this as well, but I think Rich is very lucky to have found his way of life while his daughter is still young. And like you said, it's not about restricting them totally because we, you know, we spoke about this in the podcast. You have to give them the freedom to one to choose, but also not to feel ostracized or left out or being the odd kid. Um, but I'm hoping and, I, and I'm sure it will happen that feeding them nutritious foods most of the time is going to be really great. And as he said, he's educating his daughter about food. 
So hopefully she might make better choices when she grows up. And we saw this in the podcast with um, Ella and Mark Bereton, how Ella and Louis have both stuck to their healthy way of eating. So if you want to listen to that episode, that's episode 111. So if you want to see the show notes, the show notes are at fabulouslyketo.com forward slash podcast forward slash 138. It would be great if you could support us through Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash fabulously keto and you can choose the monthly amount you wish. Can you recommend a guest we can interview? If you can, click on the link in the show notes to send us your recommendation. Would you like to join our Facebook group? Search for Fabulously Keto on Facebook. Our Facebook page is called Fabulously Keto and you can follow us there. Or you can follow us on Twitter. Our handle is Fabulously Keto. Or follow us on Instagram, Fabulously Keto One. Did you enjoy the show? Let us know you listened by tagging us in your Insta story or Instagram post using the handle FabulouslyKeto1 and the hashtag TFKP. All the links are on the website and in the show notes. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, click the subscribe button. Reviews help us to be found and reach new listeners. Please leave a review of our show on your preferred podcast listening platform. We appreciate you taking the time and read them all. Disclaimer. The information in this podcast is for informational and educational purposes only. Nothing in this podcast can be taken as advice. Whether our guests are doctors, healthcare professionals or not, they're only sharing their own opinions and stories and this does not constitute a doctor-patient relationship. It's always best to seek professional medical advice should you wish to make any changes to your current medication or treatments. Also speak to your own doctor if you have any concerns about your health or you wish to make lifestyle changes, especially if you're taking medication. <laughs>